Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, the show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. In this series titled A Painter's Dream, Jason Paris will be discussing what makes the painting industry so attractive to ambitious entrepreneurs and how painting company owners can capitalize on current and future opportunities. It is a four-part series. In episode one, this episode, we will be discussing macroeconomic trends and how the ebbs and flows of the economy should affect decision-making and planning within your painting company. In episode two, Jason will dive into the influx of young talent into the industry and what that means for all painting company owners. In episode three, Jason will outline what you need to do in order to make your painting company sellable, allowing you the option for a lucrative exit. And in the final episode, episode four, Jason will elaborate on his philosophies of business and how they apply to you and your painting company. If you want to ask Jason questions related to anything in this podcast series, you can do so on our exclusive Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast forum on Facebook. Just search for Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast forum on Facebook and request to join the group or type in the URL facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Marketing Mastermind. Again, that URL is facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash painter marketing mastermind. There you can ask Jason questions directly by tagging him with your question so you can see how anything discussed here applies to your particular painting company. Jason, as the chair of the board of directors of the PCA and founder of what I can confidently say is the most successful company that Painter Marketing Pros has ever worked with on their marketing, I think you are a perfect first guest for season three of the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast. Thank you for agreeing to return to the show and conduct this series for us. Boom. Wow. What an intro. I like it, man. It's a, it was a long intro, but 2023 is a, it's a new season and we had to start with a big intro. Best year ever. I'm hyped. Best year ever. So welcome to the show, man. Thank you. This is, I think your third, third time. Third time's the charm. Third third time. Three strikes, I'm out. (laughs) You'll be, you'll be at six by the time we're done with this series. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. It's a good uh, human number. It's not a good quite, human number. Not quite divine, so maybe we'll get one more, but you know, well, there's, there's always uh, always possibility of a bonus episode, right? There you go. Yeah. All yeah. right, Jason. So today we're, we're talking about macroeconomics. There's obviously a lot of concern, you know, yeah. as we begin 2023 of, of recession, yeah. you know, political uncertainty, world uncertainty. I'll let you kind of kind of take it away with your overall thoughts. Good, man. Uh, so I'll give you some thoughts. Feel free to rein me in because I will get real scattered real quick. No worries. But I'll just provide some uh, 
kind of lay of the land right now. We're recording this in Q4 2022, like all good, good yep. podcast hosts will do. And the Fed just raised interest rates for a consecutive uh, three quarters of a point. And uh, that's historic. And so the, the focus of this episode is really macroeconomic trends and how that affects decision making, uh, which I don't think is going to change in the next quarter when this gets released. So that's yep. going to be probably top of mind for most painting business owners, especially in the northern half of the U.S., uh, very seasonal for the most part, painting industries. I mean, there's a, a wide flux of exterior demand that enters the market uh, during the, the summer months, uh, which then exits. And now you're kind of given the time to sharpen the saw, do some business planning in the winter. That's pretty common for a business overall. The things that we're seeing right now, um, you know, everyone has heard me kind of bang the drum of your only competition is your ability to execute your business model. Yep. And that will always be true in painting uh, for the first, <laughs> I don't say always, that'll be true for the foreseeable future in residential painting. Uh, that's not true in every industry. And I'll just, that's a pretty novel thing that we get to experience. Uh, I don't know if that's true in painting companies that specialize in painting water towers, right? right. Your ability uh, to succeed may be based on how well you can beat the competition, not just execute sure. your business model, but residential repaint, hyper-fragmented, how well can you execute your business model? That'll determine the level of your success. That being said, there are a couple of things to keep in mind. Uh, I think it all stems from consumer confidence, which at the end of the day, the way that I like to call that is, how willing is your client to part with their dollars, right? And they're just different decisions you make. They're different uh, environmental, I, I think of things mostly as video games. So it's like there's different patches involved, whether it's a headwind or a tailwind. So call it the last 10 years. Uh, there's been a, an unsustainable, uh, there's been a big tailwind. And for the last, call it for the last three years or two years, an unsustainable tailwind that we've all been enjoying in, uh, in the home services industries, painting being no exception, right? Yeah. And so what does that mean? Means, uh, you know, inflation is low which means that people, uh, the basket of goods that they're trying to buy with their salary or income uh, is pretty stable. Interest rates are very, very low, right? And so when someone goes, the biggest way that affects things is purchasing homes. And so you buy a house and the monthly payment on that house is pretty low compared to a high interest rate environment. Uh, that just means you have less dollars to kind of have left over in your, in your monthly budget for nesting or maintenance, as most people categorize it in their personal budgets. And with all those things, consumer confidence was relatively high, right? Uh, the unsustainable part of the last couple of years was COVID, obviously. So everybody had a little influx of cash and they also had a decrease in expenses for the most part, right? People weren't going out to eat. They weren't going on vacations. There was a lot of entertainment that got slashed. And so things that you saw surging, uh, a lot of outdoor activities. So people were buying bikes, kayaks, RVs, uh, but people are also dumping a lot of cash into their homes. So. That's been the reality over the last 10 years. That of course creates tactics uh, based off of that. Now we're in a very different market <laughs> and uh, it's changing month by month. It will probably be changing quarter by quarter for a little bit of time. <clears throat> I'll just say I majored in economics at the University of Minnesota. Yeah, and so uh, anyone who's a good economist will tell you, I don't know the answer, right? And there's a lot of talking heads out there, especially at conferences over the last three years, and they, they probably exist today, uh, telling you with confidence what's going to happen next year. And, uh, you know, my response to that is, wow, that's great that you can see the future. Uh, how much 
cash have you dumped into a futures market? Because there's a literal casino where you can yep. say, if you know there's a recession next year, uh, buy a one year futures option. And uh, you know you can actually leverage your cash up to 10 to 10X on that. Put your money People where don't know, is. they're not gonna put their money where their mouth is. It's just as really fun to, to be confident. So I say all that pretty humbly as an economist, or, and I'm not an economist, but having some economic background, the real answer is I don't know. The things that I know are true today is that consumer confidence is low, interest rates are high, and inflation is high. Right? So that makes it a little bit harder to get your clients to part with their dollars. So one of the things that I appreciate you sharing all that, we'll call you an economist as far as this podcast episode is concerned, because I'm certainly not. But paint, one of the paint, things... Paint-nomicist? Paint-nomicist? paint nomist. All right. paint nomist it is. Watch that be in the, in the description of this podcast. So... Uh, Jason, the paintonomist, one of the things that I have heard um, from, from, from people in the industry, may or may not be true, but I wanted to run it by you, is this idea that painting is largely recession-proof, which I found a little bit surprising, but the argument was essentially that in a, in a recessionary environment, much like COVID, that you would not typically go do as many activities, you know, there would not be as much in terms of recreation vacations like you mentioned cruises movies you know eating out things like that right you kind of curve back on that uh and you spend more time indoors again also like COVID, i think that was also a driver of people when they repaint their houses is they spend a lot more time there and they realize they hate hate the color of their house or whatnot uh and then when you're in your house obviously you're more likely to want to change the color i think the fact that we just came out of COVID and everyone was on lockdown could affect that but what is your your thought on that, it's also potentially a substitute for moving houses or upgrading houses or, or doing a full you know, kitchen redesign or, or home interior redesign uh, is just to, to throw on a fresh coat of paint and kind of feel like you're in a new house. What do you think about that? Yeah. So you, you, there could be some, uh, some demand that got pulled up potentially mm -hmm. in COVID. I think we saw that in 2008 to 2009. There was some right. demand that got delayed. <clears throat> so then 2010 to 12, there was a surge in demand. That was okay. just delayed demand, essentially, is what it was. Uh, so you up. might have some demand that got pulled up. So what I mean by that is in 2008, 2009, a lot of people were due to have some painting done, uh, and they delayed that decision two years. And so everyone yep. that was due to have some painting done you know, had the demand for their, for their services, uh, but then you also had this little bumper crop that got pushed in that sphere as well. Probably the opposite thing with COVID. So you had people that were due to paint in the next two to three years. Uh, and then for all the reasons that you described and I've described, they pulled that demand up a little bit. So you might have a little bit of a demand vacuum. That's potential. Uh, I would still say for a professional service, uh, the demand out far outstrips the supply, right? Sure. And, yep. uh, I don't want to get into the state of the industry too much because we have future episodes called out, but uh, yep. there just are not many professional painting contractors in the U S uh, yep. to call a spade a spade. And, you know, that's, there's different markets and you, and I personally have observed, uh, at least anecdotally different levels of professionalization in different markets. And I think it starts with a little hotbed and then it creates that competition that everyone then steps up to that bar. Uh, but by and large, I've never, I've never visited a place or, or, or experienced a place in, including my hometown where the supply of a professional service meets the demand of professional services. So that's not going away. I think it could be harder to get those. What I mean by harder uh, is you may actually have value now, Brandon, uh, not, to, <laughs> not to call you. 
I would just call it spade a spade. Call it like spade a spade, spade, man. Ruthless. If on you like, yeah. if you like rants, this is the episode for you. Uh, but the last ten years, every conference I go to, there's just like a million coaching and consulting companies that focus on marketing and sales. And I was like, yeah. who has an issue with marketing and sales the last ten years? Like, if you can't figure that out, uh, that's not going to be your restrainer in your business, right? Yeah. And the, the the reality is that's kind of like the candy. That's like the easy. And I think it's the easier part to attack. Yeah. Uh, what I would have liked people doing, this is why I think Paris Painting was so successful. It's what we focused on. But over the last 10 years, what I would have liked to have seen more in the uh, service, you know, professional services to contractors market would be more, how do you do production, coordination, and management, right? That's what actually was holding back painting companies. It just makes them feel, for lack of better words, the sexy thing to sell, sales and marketing. Uh, now, fortunately for you, Brandon, you you're here at the right time. I like feeling sexy. In a recession, that this is actually people do need help with sales and marketing, right? It's uh, yes, there's a glut of demand and there's a low supply, but that that dampening, there's a, a relative dampening that will happen because it's harder to get people to part with their cash uh, yep. based based off those factors I laid out. So. I think that's something that you'll be seeing is people are just gonna have to get sharper. Uh, they'll probably have to spend more money on sales and marketing. Uh, yeah. The same time, you can start to push down on labor a little bit, right? So those two are inverse, right? Over the last 10 years, it's been a laborer's market. Uh, over the next year, potentially, I don't know what's gonna happen. I do have cash. I've not placed it in a futures option. Uh, over the next year or two, if there is a recession, you know, you can start to push that down a little bit. So those are some of my thoughts on, on recession Right. First of all, nobody knows marketers could actually become useful and not just yeah. selling services that no one hopefully. actually needs. And, yeah, uh, but now they do need it. So I am pumping you up. Uh, yeah. And all those I things. appreciate the plug, Jason. I'll make I'll make sure I get you your uh, referral fee over there. Okay. Just kidding. Um, I did want to kind of dive into this idea that the uh, I guess the, the purse straps, you know, while it's tightening up a little bit right yep. from consumers and what that means in relation to a professional company because yeah. overall people are going to be maybe a little bit more skeptical a little bit more reticent to just part with their dollars but you're saying that that even though the the ratio might not be quite as insane as it was in terms of demand and supply it's still a very good ratio for professional painting companies but then you also have homeowners who are going directly right some get there via google and that's a bit different but directly to thumbtack or Angie or things like that, where they really want people to beat each other up over the price. You know, not, not really a great customer. How do you kind of approach this product market fit, so to speak, this ideal customer and how that relates to what you're talking about? Yeah, there will always be, uh, I like to play in the professional services segment. Yeah. And so if you think about like restaurants, uh, there'll be Manny Steakhouse, right? Some clients demand Manny Steakhouse. I don't like to play in that market. That's like, uh, you know, fine finishes of Europe, uh, craftsman sure. painter, you know, we're going to use paint brushes that are made from virgin lambs in Italy or something, right? That's not the market that I play in. High, high, high end. Yep. Then there's like, I don't need out that much, I guess. There's like the nice restaurants. Uh, there are not quite Manny's, but they're still kind of nice. Uh, I don't know because I just drink smoothies every day. So pretty boring guy. Health not. You're a health then there's like Olive Garden, Red Lobster, uh, this is a bad metaphor for me. Right? There's like the nice chain restaurants and there's like the low chain restaurants, like value oriented, uh, I think Subway, McDonald's, Chipotle, like bread and butter, come get in, get out, you know, high volume, pretty good profit margins, highly replicatable. Uh, then there's like the food trucks. 
uh, where it's like, yeah, it's like a food truck on the side of the street. Uh, then there's like someone that has a sandwich and he decided he didn't want it and he wants to sell it to you. There will always be a market at that bottom where people are willing to forego uh, an experience. They're willing to forego certainty of what's being fed to them. Uh, they're going to want to go into that, that bottom of the barrel and get the lowest possible price, whether it's food, whether it's home services, that's always going to exist in the marketplace. I think right now there's an abnormal vacuum that that exists in because of the absence of professional services. I think more people would buy professional home services. I'll talk specifically to painting if there's more supply of it, but there's just not. And then they're left scrapping and saying, well, what, what can I find? Uh, what can I hire? And the answer is the chuck in a truck, the mic on a bike, the stand in a van, uh, which is not to degrade the size of a company, sure. but just the ethos in which it operates. Sure. So you think it, it's a little bit of a, um, you know, if you build it, they will come kind of deal here. If you show up and you're the professional company and you're at the right house, then you are likely to close that job for a good profit margin. I don't know every market. I've traveled quite a bit around and I've not seen one where the demand meets the supply of what's out there. And I think that would be, you know, not just anecdotal Jason thoughts, uh, all the companies that trade in the uh, lead reselling industry see the yep. exact same thing, right? They have excess demand and the supply cannot meet it. Uh, I think the major paint manufacturers would echo the same thing. That's like their biggest risk or their biggest concern right now is people want paint applied, uh, but they want it applied well and with a professional service and they can't find it. And that's, yeah. that trend does not look like it's going to be great unless some, some key things change. Um, you talked about like, is it, so I, I, again, I don't think for a professional company, it's going to be an issue. You just have to put more of your energy and effort on sales and marketing, right? Yeah. Probably less energy and effort on labor recruitment and retention, right? Which has right. been the focus. Like a lot of companies over the last 10 years have been focusing so much on sales and marketing because guys like you hype them up and tell them that they need to buy a service. Hype uh, man. Yeah, be a which hype. has not been true. Now yeah. you are going to be true. So I'm just, I'm tearing you down, but I'm going to oh, build you back up. Goodness, right? What they yeah. should have been focusing on the last 10 years is their operations, right? Instead, it's like, they just complain about, I would say they, right? I just, I've heard people complain about operations and you look at, well, where's your energy and attention and effort and dollars going? It's going to sales and marketing. Well, mm. maybe put it, maybe put it where the issue is. Yeah. I think that in a recession that would flip, right? So Brandon, you become extremely valuable. People should be buying your services. So you yeah. see what I did, tore you down, build you back up. Yeah, I see it. It was, a, it was a kind of a one, two, right? Cause now it actually makes sense to put focus on those areas, right? And every human, every organization has limited focus. There's only a handful of things that we can actively, uh, do, do well or do excellent. Uh, and so now you have the option, the opportunity to start to pull away from that a little bit, but you know, yeah. Then this gets into a philosophical conversation around growth, which will probably save most That's number for, four. for episode three, but. Uh, I'll give like a little teaser is growth is a decision. It's not like, uh, I'm going to grow to whatever the opportunity is. Uh, right. there are downsides of growth and what limits your ability to grow, uh, is not just what dollars are available out there in the market for me to, to go grab. Right. I, yeah, that all, all makes sense to me. Um, Jason, I do want to kind of, kind of touch on the marketing and try not to dive too deep into that. But marketing is really uh, a lead indicator of success, marketing done well. So a lot of one of the issues that I see with with a lot of painting company owners, especially the smaller guys, 
is they don't really worry about the marketing too much. They'll, they'll worry a little bit about the sales, but a lot of times the sales process really isn't great. You know, as they call text, just call text again. I mean, that's basically their sales process is once things start to dry up, once, oh my goodness, I, you know, I'm only booked out for two weeks, a week, three weeks, what, whatever, and they want to be booked out for two months, then they start looking into marketing. And then what you're doing then for marketing is you're buying leads, right? And you're buying leads and, and maybe you're not buying them from, from Angie. Maybe you're not buying them from Thumbtack, but you're going to be buying them from Google or you're going to be buying them from Facebook. Could be higher quality leads, could be a better sales system, but you're still buying the leads, right? If you actually want to build up that presence that where you don't have to go buy all these leads, that, that's a, a lead indicator of success. That's something you do prior to needing it. So as we head into this recession, you know, potential recession. I, I honestly hope that it's not as bad as some people are. People are thought they're. Yeah. I would also say there's yeah. like a, I don't know what the comp, the, the name of it is, but there's a thing where everybody uh, who wants to be an expert sounds a lot smarter when they're really concerned and cautionary. And uh, that's just a human sort of thing. A, that's just a human like trait. A it's like, thing. Yeah, it's just a human bias. Uh, we take experts more seriously. We give them more credence when they're very concerned and 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 like this is going to be an issue. Uh, so if you're in a room with people and everyone's like, uh, this is going to be great. And then one person says, actually, this is going to be an issue. People are like, Ooh, that, that guy knows something. You know. uh, so I've heard for the last three, four years, five years, six years that there's recessions right around the corner and everyone yeah. should be stockpiling cash. And then you talk to that expert and it's like, how much have you put in a futures market, uh, to buy a, a, a call option? And it's like, none. well, none. Cause I just like sounding smart, but, uh, yeah, most indicators are showing we're not ramping up. Right. I yeah. do believe in the business cycle. Uh, that's a big focus at the U of M uh, School of Business is the business cycle. So there are yeah. some natural elements to it. But um, yeah, most most lead indicators are showing recession. Nobody knows for sure. Otherwise, the street would be going pretty wild. Yeah. So one of the things that that I kind of preach and I'm interested in your thoughts are is that in a downturn or really in any negative scenario, there's opportunity for for companies and for entrepreneurs who are looking for that opportunity. I believe that in a recessionary environment, painting companies have the ability to take more market share and, and kind of accelerate their growth actually in a market because they're professionalizing and, and companies and consumers who are now being a little bit more selective, we'll say, with who they hire um, are going to even gear even more towards those professional companies than they would when, when kind of everyone's there. What's your thought? on that line of logic. Yeah. Reminds you of Warren Buffett. He's like, everybody has a lot of fun swimming in a high tide. And then when the tide goes out, you see uh, who brought their swimsuit. Right. I like and that. Uh, so that's the reality. Yeah. I think we saw this in 2008 as well. I know we saw it in 2008. So what happened in 2008 is a lot of people left the industry and never came back. Uh, kind so of weed out left. those unprepared yep. companies. So we've had this, like, it's actually, it could be depending on how bad the downturn is. If it was a bad town bad turn, it's hard to get worse than 2008 for the home services. So that would be hard to replicate. It doesn't seem like it would be in that same uh, spirit of a, of a downturn. It'd be affecting other things more heavily, but yeah. uh, it actually probably be worse <laughs> because uh, here's why. So there's been a, a, a very, very nice tailwind, right? For the last 10 years, call it. Uh, but yeah. then like an odd unsustainable swoon of a tailwind the last two years. Turbo. COVID. Turbo yeah. Just like, so any company that's like doing okay uh, is now going to be really struggling, right? If you're doing exceptional, right, you're going to be probably doing good, right? Because it's just going to yeah. get a lot harder. You got to get tighter. You got to get crisper with everything. There's not going to be as much margin for any element of your business. You're going to have to have higher service, higher higher lead conversion. 
you know, you're, you're not going to have probably as much because <laughs> you're dumping more in. Um, yeah. To your point, that will likely reduce. I don't know what will happen. Obviously, I don't know. I'm an economist, so I know nothing. Uh, but <laughs> supply could actually drop, right? You're as you're alluding to. So people get out of the industry. That's what we saw in 2008, which created that, you know, part of that tailwind of supply and demand gap starting probably in about 2010 was because so many people dropped out of the industry and never came back. Yeah. Uh, and so you have everyone's seen the statistics of the boomers that are retiring and then, you know, millennials are the worst and Gen Z or whatever is not, uh, I don't know what they do. They just sit on their TikToks all day. Right. So it's like, who's going to fill that gap when the boomers go out? It's kind of like we've talked about that, uh, demand vacuum or that demand bumper that comes up either can get pushed back or pulled up. Uh, you have a lot of boomers that'd be retiring in the next five years, call it from the trades. And if there's a downturn, downturn after they've got kind of a little uh, comfortable over the last two, three years, call it five years, 10 years, uh, they might pull that retirement up and say it's not worth it. So right. yeah, those are all things that'll be fun to watch. Uh, I'm obviously very bullish on the painting industry. Uh, I think it is a painter's dream. It's like the most silly thing. And I think, well, I know for a fact we're going to look back on this nostalgic and be like, man, that was like a fun ride to be part of a, an industry that professionalized. Uh, and then like my kids are going to be like, all you had to do was like get a scheduling widget on your website and like just show up and you were better than everybody. Like you just had to answer the phones and, and like not poop in people's yards. And like that, that made you guys elite. Like, yeah, no, no wonder you were successful dad. Like wasn't yeah. that hard. And uh, now I could get into, I can't remember our full series, so I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there is, I think it is the next one I'm going to talk about more like, there's a reason why uh, intelligent, smart people are not, have not been diving into the home, they are kind of diving into more the professional home services like HVAC, plumbing and electric, but there's a reason they're not diving into painting. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason is that it's hard, right? It's not because there's an absence of profit, right? The, the, the definition of a supply demand gap you know, that derives into profit. That's like code, yeah. that's code for profit for, for people uh, in, in the markets, right? So ooh, a supply and demand gap, that means there's profit potential, right? Now, why are, why are intelligent people not diving into this industry? Uh, there's a reason for that. And teaser, we'll get more into that on our next episode. I love that. I love that. So yeah, I'll kind of touch on that briefly. I think, I think for entrepreneurs and business owners who are forward thinking, you kind of want to get on the front of a wave, so to speak, when you, when you see a, a, a trend. And if you can get there in the beginning, um, cryptos would be the most one of the most ridiculous examples of that. Yep. Buy them for a penny and then become, you know, $100,000 or whatnot. But painting is, is kind of that wave. You know, home services, plumbing, HVAC, roofing, um, all these home services are really far more developed than painting. But we will leave that for episode two. I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into this idea of a professional painting company. Cause we've talked a lot about how there's only a small segment that's really professionalized. And yeah. a lot of people are kind of, kind of flying by the seat of their pants a little bit, I guess. How would, it, how would someone who's listening who's, who's not maybe sure whether they are professionalized or not, yeah. how would they even know? And what, what could they do to become more professionalized? It's a great question. I just want to comment on uh, what you're talking about with crypto and painting and all that. There's a, there's a difference between gambling and uh, <laughs> establishing fundamentals. Right? Yeah. And gambling is fun. Uh, gambling is like one of the most addictive things Dangerous. for humans because it's, it's randomized positive reinforcement, right? So our dopamine really drives us to gamble, uh, which is why for the most part, governments will regulate gambling, uh, except for in Minnesota when they prey on the most vulnerable, 
by put by trying to fund our, our Viking stadium through pull tabs. Right. Nice. And so in general, that was not nice. That was bad. Right. Governments are yeah. supposed to protect the people that are most vulnerable. Uh, gambling is a pretty challenging things for humans to regulate, which is why it's a pretty regulated industry yeah. along with sex, gambling and violence. Those are all tightly regulated uh, and the most profitable. Uh, but our dopamine of positive random positive reinforcement with gambling is is tough. So we're driven to it. That's different than following the fundamentals of business. Uh, and so just make sure people are, are reading that differently. Now, you asked me a good question. I got I got too fired up. This is the rant episode for sure. What did you just ask me? Yeah, no worries, man. I asked what what someone who's listening who's not sure whether or not they are a professionalized company. Okay, yes. How do What's they know the how to professionalization? Do so I think it's it's like so I'll, t- I'll start like really high level philosophical and then get a little more granular what that looks okay. like. So philosophically, it's being exceptional, right? And so there's a difference between being exceptional and getting by. And you can do that in every element of the business. It's how well are you treating your clients? Are you treating them with exceptional service or are you just getting by, right? What is the quality of your product? Is it exceptional product or is it just getting by, right? And just yeah. getting by works, works until there's a headwind that enters the market especially if, if there's a tailwind and the tailwind goes away and you're hit with a te- headwind, just getting by puts you underwater, right? Because now sure. the market's more demanding. They, re- they require more service, better product. How well are you treating your labor? Is the labor treated exceptionally or just getting by, right? Just getting by is, uh, I, so I'll get a little granular on that, on that item. Just getting by would be, actually, no, I'm just keep, keep philosophical and I'll get granular. How well are you treating the business? What is the health of the business? Is the business exceptional, exceptionally healthy? Or is it just getting by? What I mean by that is the profits, typically. So profit and brand and brand equity, right? So most companies in the industry, in the painting industry, average companies, 1.5 people, less than $200,000 in top line revenue. They make an income, but there isn't profits for the company, right? And that's fine because they don't need that margin, especially when they're getting by. It's nice to get by. It, there's nothing wrong with getting by. Their job. Uh, but it's not exceptional and there's not that margin for when the headwind comes. Right. So I'll go, I'll go to each one of those elements. Right. So how, how, how good is your service? Are you showing up to the client whenever you want to, uh, are they getting a bid, you know, on the spot next day, or is it, do they have to calling you to get the bid back? Uh, right. are you just letting the phone ring for you? Are you generating, generating leads or buying them? Right. You talked about that difference between generating leads and buying leads. Sure. Um, that would be, that's the difference between being exceptional and just getting by, right. Just getting by is, Oh, I got, my phone rang. Sometimes I call them back. Sometimes I don't. When I do call them back, sometimes I show up to the bid. Sometimes I don't. When I show up to the bid, sometimes I give them a bid. Sometimes I don't. Right? It all. I get by at the end of the day, so it all works out. Right? That's getting by. That's not exceptional. Uh, how do you treat your labor? Is it show up and you're going to learn through osmosis? That's what most people experience. <laughs> show up and you're going to just kind of learn through osmosis. Or is it like, hey, we take. Uh, developing skill pretty seriously. So here's your classroom section, here's your coaching plan, and here's the ongoing learning management that we're gonna go through, right? The full paths of skills and, and development and wages and all that. So is that really laid out? Or you're saying, come show up, work through osmosis, and when I feel like you deserve a raise, you'll get a raise, right? That's kind of what it looks like. Uh, so much transparency high. there. Yeah, trans- yeah transparency uh, and just organization. So organization, yeah. thoughtfulness, intention, that's probably a theme through all those. So like, are you thoughtful? Are you intentional? Are you organized? Um, and then the profits, right? Are you getting by? Are you making a income? Income, right? That's great for the for the the people playing roles in your company. So most people are like their president, sales rep, and maybe project manager, maybe painter too. Uh, so each one of those roles has a certain comp package that's assigned to it. Uh, but outside of that, is the company itself turning a profit for the shareholders, which is typically a sole proprietor, right? If there's not profit, that's fine. You're getting by, 
but when the market tightens up, it gets a little bit more uh, cutthroat, a little bit more more fun. Uh, then you don't have that margin to do either to, sur to survive or to really go full steam ahead, like you talked about, gain that market share. Now you're doing capital investments, you're doing some fun things, and uh, you don't have that opportunity. So professionalized, it's really about are you getting by or are you exceptional? Those are a couple areas of the, of the business. There's obviously uh, many others like like administrative finance, uh, vision casting, you know, all the different. We use a paint by numbers wheel in our company to kind of go through different sections of the company. But are you just getting by? Are you exceptional? That's the difference between being professional and not. Yeah, I love that, man. And one of the things I don't want to get too businessy on this. And I'll, but, last thing I'll just say, yeah. that's not that's not uh, necessarily calling out the size of the company. Right. So you can be a prof you can op be op operating a professional company at a one man shop, two man shop, three man shop. Are you delivering exceptional service to your clients? Is your labor treated exceptionally? And is the company exceptionally healthy? Right. That, yeah. that, that could be a $10 million company. That could be a $200,000 company. Right. It's not it's not I'm not poo pooing uh, the size of companies. It's really how are you operating the business? So I want to kind of. Well, I'll, I'll make the point I was going to make, and then I kind of want to push you on that for a second. So I think what you're kind of describing, and again, not to get too businessy, but you're basically saying focus and be exceptional for every one of your stakeholders. We'll call them stakeholders. So the people who are working in your business, yeah. give them a path, give them a vision. They're not just showing up, churning you know, hours for dollars, because ultimately, what do they care about the future of your company if, they, if you're not promising them any kind of future or skill development? And then for your customers, provide them an exceptional experience. I think that one's a little more straightforward. And then for the, the company, treat the company almost as a separate entity, right? You can't always be sucking cash from it. You should have built the business, your systems, the profit margins in place. We can be building up your capital reserve. Or like you said, your brand equity, you know, where more and more people are finding you naturally and coming to you. Um, that, should be, that should be treated almost as its own separate entity. But I want to push you a little bit on what you just talked about, the difference between a 10 million and let's go to the opposite extreme. Let's go a one-man show. So, so you know, Chuck, Chuck's running his business. We won't call him Chuck because this guy's going to be professional. So we'll, we'll call him, uh, I don't know, William, right? Kind of a sophisticated sounding name. So William's running his business. He's also doing the painting. He's also doing the estimating, right? He's doing all the project management. He's doing, he's doing the admin work. William's doing everything. How can he possibly be a professional company while doing all those things, how is he not going to drop the ball on answering the phone and, and all these other things he needs to accomplish? Yeah, it's kind of like don't settle. So uh, there's a couple of philosophies aligned to this. One is the concept of generalization versus specialization. Uh, if you if you have an excess demand for your capacity, it's time to specialize. Uh, you get an opportunity to specialize, I would call it. Right. And so there's a, if there's excess demand for your capacity, whether it's an individual decision of how you want to live your life this is okay. This is a good life conversation uh, or a business conversation of your business only has so much capacity and there's excess demand for that. Uh, you now have the opportunity to specialize and specializing gives you the opportunity to gain efficiencies. Ultimately the probably the end product is more, the end end result is more profit, right? Yeah. So you don't have to buy every, every equipment piece in the world. You just buy equipment for this specialized thing. You don't have to train your people on every single thing or get good at everything yourself as a craftsperson. Just get really, really good at this better thing. It's a flywheel. Specialization is a flywheel. So that's kind of like one element of how do you professionalize as a one person thing. If you feel overwhelmed, if you don't feel overwhelmed, that's called excess demand for your capacity. And it's time to specialize. So that's like a first concept. Uh, the, other, the other is, um, man, it's like a human thing. Like we want to settle. Like it's, it's nice to be comfortable. It's nice to just get by. 
Uh, it takes a different kind of hard work to go beyond what's necessary uh, before before it's necessary, right? And so yeah. it's kind of like, uh, I learned this lesson um, back, I had a little season uh, after I left corporate America before I started, well, actually it was while I was starting my painting company. So I had a painting company, but I was also working with a roofing contractor and he was very professionalized and I would just watch him work. I mean, he'd work till 10 o'clock at night in his office, arguing with adjusters over insurance pricing. And uh, he didn't need to do that. I was like, dude, you're gonna make good money on this roof. Uh, but he knew he could make more money. Uh, he had that potential too, and he was doing it before it needed to get done. And uh, it was like, I saw that and I saw the type of work he was working hard on. Uh, and then I don't know if this is a good, if this like exposes too many of my internal thoughts. The next day my truck broke down and I called somebody uh, who I knew and I won't, I won't call them out. Uh, they were older than me and they're a friend and they're kind of like a friend, they're not a friend. They're somebody I know. They came out and like worked super hard fixing my truck because uh, it like needed to get done. And I just looked at those two different roles of like, here's someone who is very reactionary and here's someone who is proactive. So don't read too much into that because there's a lot of biases. It's my father-in-law. So there's like a lot of, a lot of internal drama there that I don't shouldn't okay. get into. Sure. Um, but it's just that concept of working hard, doing the extra effort when it's not necessary, it's before it needs to get done versus doing just what needs to get done when it needs to happen. Right. That that's how someone who's even if you're a one person shop, it's like, well, I could go home right now or I could do this extra thing and the client's really going to love it. That's going to create my brand equity and, and all those things. It's like I don't need this right now, but I could invest in it. It's kind of that concept of investment, I guess, investment of time, yep. investment of energy, investment of effort. And then the concept of specializing, uh, if you feel overwhelmed, just start cutting stuff out. Right. And that can be that's like a philosophy that applies to your individual life. Uh, applies to the, the the bandwidth of a company. You know, if there's more demand than you have capacity for, start cutting stuff out and start to reap the rewards and the the fruit of specialization. Yeah, no, that makes sense, man. So a couple points on rant kind of, episode. Rant, yeah, we'll we'll just name this one the rant episode. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that was a rant, man. That was that was a good discussion. But the a couple things I'm kind of pulling out of that are first off, scarcity mindset always kind of jumps out at me as bad. And so your, your roofing contractor that you talked about being on the phone, arguing insurance quotes for his jobs, that's because he's trying to make a little bit extra margin, whereas he could be, he could be productively focused on growing his business rather than trying to trying to increase the margin a little bit on this one job. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then another thing you mentioned, which is near and dear to my heart is you got to grind. You know, when you're, when you're the one guy, you have to work exceptionally hard to no longer be that one guy. There's sweat equity and then there's dollar investments. At that point, you're sweat equity. And then eventually, as you kind of grow your business, you can start making dollar investments and outsourcing some of your roles. Yeah, I've talked to, uh, I've worked with people, and I've uh, like not mentored, but I've been around people where they're like, "Yeah, but time is money." I'm like, "Time is money when you have money. Right yeah. now, you don't have money. You need to invest time. Like you need to yeah. grind. Uh, you need to push. I, I'm, unless you can find someone that's going to loan you cash, and uh, you want to start le playing the leverage game, uh, maybe yeah. you don't have to grind. Super confident. If you're super confident. Yeah, you, I mean, maybe you can, but I'm, I'll talk like specifically like with real estate. Uh, I was working with a guy and and I partnered with him on a deal and it was like, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to like hire this out and like do this to that. And I'm thinking like, man, if, if I were in your shoes, I'd be like hustling and I'd be like figuring it out and like getting scrappy. But he's like, yeah, yeah but you know, time is money. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have money and you're not going to make money on this. It's just going to be like, not that great for you. And uh, yeah. yeah, that 
put in the grind, put in the hustle. Uh, America's a great country for capitalists. And of opportunity. Call a spade a spade. Uh, it's called yep. capitalism. It's not called laborism. So at some point, uh, you know, your ability to leverage and apply capital uh, is a lot of what turns the gears of this country. Uh, for good or for bad, it's not the perfect system, but it could be the best system given human nature. Yeah. It's bad. It's also a bad system. I don't want to sugarcoat that. Um, but it's not called like laborism. That's the rant episode. Now we're calling this the rant. Is another rant. We yeah. talk about financial yeah. institutions and the yeah. structures of incentivization. And like, man, if we had uh, like a fantastic, like the days of judges in the in the old the old scriptures and the and the scrolls, uh, you got a good judge, things were great. Uh, you got a bad judge, things are bad. So that's like the bad, okay. good bad parts of authoritarianism, but and socialism, as you could call it. But most humans are not that way. It's not a sustainable structure for the long term because we're all broken people and, and bad and we are good but there's broken parts to us yeah but capitalism is also really bad too man i'm not gonna sugarcoat it it's like <laughs> it's a tough there's a lot in there too but yeah. we live in a system called capitalism so once you start to understand that concept which i think we'll get more into on episode two or three industry trends is episode two and building with the end in mind making it sellable is episode three yeah and, w- and when i say sellable i'll just throw a little teaser you don't have to sell all of your company it's good if you can take on an operating partner uh, and that concept. So whether you're selling in full or selling in part, building a company where you can harness the value of your equity is really what you should be be gearing towards. And then whether you sell that equity, I heard of a company that does that. That's exceptional. I'll, I'll think about their name. They they take minority interest, and well, I forget who it is. You know, I'm not just here because I like hearing you talk, Brandon. I'm here. To yeah, all you do all like hearing me talk, though. I do you like hearing you talk. Yeah. yeah. So we have all holdings. I think all holdings is exceptional at that. I think we are going to affect the industry in a big way. Uh, when I think it really, what are the, the attack vectors of influence and how you change an industry? Uh, a lot of it is being an example to the big boys, right? And so we're not a big boy, you know, we're like a, a little teenage boy, uh, but we got some muscle to us and we got some, some energy to us and yeah, I'm pretty excited about what we're doing and, and how we're going to make some change. Yeah. I love it, man. You're, you're big enough and you have the systems enough that you definitely know what you're doing and you have the muscle, but you're small the enough. Management, we have the management yeah. talent and that's like. Oh man. Okay. little teaser for what's coming up. Like that is the actual secret sauce. Uh, it's not just like, here's what you need to do. Now go do it. Here's a playbook. Go follow it. It's who's going to be all of is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The pictogram is an ox. Uh, the painting industry is the wild west. The wild west gets settled by plowing the fields. And so like, we will co- we like to come alongside our partners, uh, like an ox and carry that yoke with them to help plow the fields. And how do we, how do we democratize and harvest the equity in painting companies? Uh, that's what we're super passionate about. Yep. Yeah. And I can attest that I have visited Olive Holdings office. I met your CEO, your CFO. You guys have hired top tier talent and uh, it's people, it's people. We right? are still hiring top, that like we've added since then too. And uh, yeah, a big part of that is just the spirit of what we're doing. So we've pulled a lot of top tier talent from other structures of how people think industries can get professionalized that uh, I would argue are dying and are fundamentally broken. Uh, those, two, those two paradigms, gosh, I gotta be careful about what I say. Uh, franchising can be okay. I love all the franchisors, especially the ones that, that sponsor the PCA. You're the board, uh, yeah, I was about to say, you're the chair of the board, man. There are some, there, just, like, just like capitalism is great, big fan of capitalism, I think. Uh, there are some inherent challenges with capitalism. There are some very inherent challenges with franchising, right? Yeah. And the other, so like, the other, the other paradigm would be private equity, right? Where a company comes in and buys out a business. Uh, there's some inherent challenges with that. 
right? And we're not trying to do either one of those. We're trying to harness and democratize the equity that's in a painting company by coming shoulder to shoulder like an ox, burdening a yoke and plowing the fields. Yeah. You have some interesting, interesting analogies, Jason. Yeah. So if you want if you want an, an ox to help you plow these yeah. fields. Getting real visual here. Yeah. Metaphorical. Well, yeah, you're, wait, you're wait, this isn't even work. a philosophy philosophy podcast. So yeah, we'll, it's, we're not. Yeah, I can. Number four is going to be a trip, man. Yeah, man. Episode four is going to be a trip. So I want to I want to push you again, because one of the big focuses of of the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast is making actionable recommendations. Right. I feel like there's so many so many podcasts and discussions that are kind of theoretical or, or don't necessarily apply or, or hard to apply. Um, so I want to push you as we've talked about this upcoming potential uh, headwind recession, kind of however you want to call it. It'll probably get harder than it's been because uh, it's been like taking candy from a baby the last couple of years. What can companies specifically do? We've talked a, a bit about the professionalization, but let, let's call, let, let's talk about the mid-sized companies. Maybe they're 500,000 to a million. What should they be doing right now to position themselves for success over the next several years? Yeah, there is a reality. Like it's not just questionable what's going to happen. Consumer confidence is down, interest rates are up, and inflation is up. Those are three those are facts. facts. Those are three facts. Those are three real things that are happening. Now, what that leads to is like nobody knows, right? You can you can feel you can, there's a, there's a fundamental of like you think it'll go one way, but that'd be it. If you wanted to place a six months futures call, uh, that'd be a bet, right? So we can certainly yeah. bet on that. Um, but what can a company do right now? I think you touched on that paradigm of are you buying leads or generating leads? Those are two yeah. very different things. One is much more reactionary. One is more tapping into the value of, of your of your brand, kind of the inherent equity there. And so I would say developing a strategy where you're not buying leads, but you're generating leads. Yeah. And this that, it's not semantics. Uh, okay, here's another rant. People sometimes say- How many, how many coffees have you had this morning? I don't drink coffee. You know, oh my, this is oh, just, you want to hear, you want to hear a real rant. Ask me about coffee. Coffee is a mood altering addictive drug that, that gets you out of touch with your bodies, right? Your body is trying to tell you through adenosine molecules that you're tired and you're saying, nope, I'm going to yeah. shut off those receptors. I'm not going to listen to you. Uh, so anyways, that's a real rant I have. No one receives it. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. What did you ask me? Gosh, I get so fired up on these. Yeah, things. I'm sorry, okay. man. No, I, okay. I, semantic. Okay. That was rant. That was tangent okay. rant number one. Tangent yeah. rant number two is semantics. People say Jay, that's, they say, that's just semantics. Semantics is what the word means, right? Syntax is how the, 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 word, the sentence is structured. Semantics is what does that word mean? That's important. It's not, I mean, so when you say like, oh, that's just what you're communicating. Those are, that's just what those words mean. Semantics are important. So when someone says it's just semantics, semantics are what the words actually mean. Yeah. Rant number two. Uh, item, item number three, generating leads, buying leads. Practically what I would do is I would work with a marketing company. Uh, All right. I work with a marketing company and start developing how can I start to generate leads instead of just buying them, right? Because buying yeah. them, if I'm not exceptional right now, you may not have the margin to compete in buying leads, especially over the next year, right? right? Because if, leads will get will get more. As a pure yeah. economist, I could never tell you what's going to happen because I just don't know. There's too much uncertainty. Uh, in 2007, it was a matter of if not when gas hit ten dollars a gallon in 2007, right? Yeah. That's before the big recession happened and everything stop drop down we still barely even got close to that right before right when COVID hit everyone was guaranteed we're entering into a big deep dark recession worse than 2008 what happened things shot up yeah right? so this concept of like 
I've been around enough. I've heard enough of the chatter. I can tell you I don't know. Uh, it's like a coin toss if I'm going to sound smart or not if I give you a prediction. But <laughs> if it does not get easier, it gets harder. I would work on generating leads, not just buying leads, because you may not be able to compete when it gets really scrappy. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. And I like your, uh, you know, your humility, too. Um, admitting that you don't necessarily know what's going, what's going to happen. Nobody does. But you can at least prepare. If they do, they probably have their mouth shut and they're just raking in the cash on the casino that is Wall Street, right? Yeah. And this is like just you can you can buy a stock today, or you can you can you can buy the right to buy a stock. Uh, I'm gonna get this messed up because I'm too hyper right now. But options, right? You have the right to buy a stock either at a future value or a current value. And if you know that the market, call it even an S and P fund, is gonna go up or down. Uh, you can make a lot of money on that, right? Now the yeah. cost of that option is going to ebb and flow given what the street thinks is the likelihood of that result happening, right? So like right now, uh, it's probably pretty expensive to buy an option that says that the market's going to go down. That's a pretty good indicator. Kind of like lumber prices were usually predicted by lumber futures options uh, when we we're going through that crazy time, which we yeah. were because we have a building company as well, a construction company. Um, but yeah. I'd love to tell you exactly what's going on. If somebody does know for sure what's going on, you know, I'd hedge yourself in making good business decisions. But if you really are predictive of the future, I, I, I would partake in gambling because that's a pretty good way to leverage your cash better than a paying company. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, man. So uh, we, we kind of have talked about what you can do from the, I guess we'll call it the sales and marketing business generation perspective of positioning yourself for success you know, investing in your long-term brand and getting leads to actually come to you. I want to touch on the flip side of this because you mentioned that it's been a laborer's market. You know, it's been, obviously there's been a debate about whether there's really been a labor shortage or, or whether you just don't know how to hire and treat your employees or, or contractors. Um, but what can companies be doing moving forward or how should they be thinking about how to treat their labor, how to hire their labor um, with this potential drawback? Well, the answer is not like, now you get to treat your labor bad. That's not the answer. Yeah, no, I don't think uh, so. Because the answer for a long time has been like, so most point paying companies are 1.5 people because that's like the network that they can tap, right? And I was like, ah, shoot, now I have to recruit people. No one wants to come work with me because I'm not a professional business. Who would, right? Who wants to go work with chucking a truck, staying in a van when it's like no job description, show up, learn through osmosis. I don't know what my career path is. There's no upside. Uh, there are pros and cons to growth. One of the pros of growth is you get to attract people that want more opportunity. Right. Yep. So like most companies aren't growing. Uh, it's hard to say that because I feel like a lot of companies are growing, but the stats don't show that. It's hard to attract top talent. Anyways, so the answer is not you get to treat them poorly, but I would just say companies, you only have so much focus and this is a good life principle. It's a good business principle. And I would put more energy and more focus on the parts that actually need it. And that's been one of the biggest, like almost funny things to watch over the last 10 years is the amount of energy and focus that paying companies have been putting on sales and marketing. And I know how you're going to spin it and sell it. You say like that's, and it is true. That's the lead and everything, or that's the, the tip of the spear and everything trickles down from there, which is true. So you do have value, Brandon. Jason, I wasn't going to say anything, but I you don't, you're not, you don't have zero value. You have some value, yeah. but the amount right. of energy, attention and focus that has been put on sales and marketing uh, over the last, especially handful of years has just been irrational. And it's just because, it makes people feel good and it's the easiest thing to sell. And it's probably the most professionalized part of any industry of our industry, for sure. Most, the hardest thing to do is to sell a service that's around the operations, the coordination, the management, 
right? And that's yep. really what's been driven and driving and determining the success of painting companies for the last handful of years. Don't treat your labor poorly, treat them well, be open and honest with them. Uh, say, hey, we're heading into a hard time, but here's the tactics they're gonna be doing. Uh, I'm looking forward to coming shoulder to shoulder with you guys. You know, typically the founder, the owner that's talking about this. I'm gonna work extremely hard and, and uh, you know, I've got all my eggs in this basket. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna make sure this is, success, this is successful. Um, I'm gonna put more energy and focus on generating leads, not just buying leads. I think that's what's gonna weather us through this next storm. And so yeah. people oftentimes reply or respond really well to transparency and honesty. Uh, and it's just telling them like, Hey, I'm committed. Here's what I'm doing. I think most people would love to have a leader like that in their, in their place of work. Um, but yeah, rally the troops, be open and honest, be transparent, be a strong leader. Uh, those are all things that are going to be needed in this potential upcoming season. Don't stop training your people. Don't stop giving them job descriptions. Don't stop showing upward mobility and career pathing. Uh, yeah. but if I had to move focus, uh, because I believe in the power of focus, I'd move it to what needs to focus. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I love that, man. So you kind of be in the trenches with your team. They, by even working with you, by showing up, are investing their future into your company, right? Because they're investing their time. They could be somewhere else. That would maybe offer them more of a future. So you, you showing them, hey, all your eggs are in this basket. This is my future. I'm investing into it. I believe in it. You should invest into it also and believe in it because together, Right, not me, and I'll pay you whatever I feel like paying you, or give you a raise when you're when when I feel like you're ready. But together, we're going to grow this thing. Yeah, what do you think about vision? Go ahead. No, 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 please. I guess what do you think is that kind of encapsulating what you're saying? Yeah, a little bit of vision goes a long way. Uh, I think people respond really well to transparency as well. Yeah. I found, um, but <laughs> the hard part about transparency is it's really hard to hide secrets when you're transparent, and so. Uh, Transparency is a great tool in your in your tool chest of leadership and vision casting and, and the health of an organization when you don't have secrets, when you're not hiding anything. Uh, so that's the hard part. You know, if you want, if you have things that you that you need to hide, if you're not being honest, uh, if, if you have little secrets, that's a tough tool to pull out and uh, be exceptional at. So it's kind of like you can't hide who you are. You can't right. hide the business uh, if you want it, if you want to be transparent. And there's, I don't know if I'm verbalizing it extremely well, but uh, it's not like you can just be transparent tomorrow and everything is roses. Uh, it's nice when there's good stuff behind that transparency is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah if you have a, a lot of skeletons in your closet, you might not want to show them, but you also probably need to go ahead and fix that. Yeah, right? or like as a business owner, like let's just say your heart is like, hey, I don't really care about this business. I'm just trying to get by. Uh, yeah. I don't really care about these people's futures. There's no future in this company. It's just like how much... How, much, how little do I have to work and how much cash can I make for the next three years uh, before I right. retire? It's going to be tough to be transparent with that, right? Maybe try right. deception. That's like a, a tactic that might work for you in that playing field. A short-term uh, tactic that could work. Yep, yep. Uh, it might it'd be successful. Uh, you know, how hard you work often determines how successful you are uh, to get to the top, but but it's it's culture and values that keeps you on the top once you're there. So. It's, that'd be the biggest thing I'd, I'd say is really examine yourself, really examine your business, what you truly believe. Uh, a business and a leader is, there's a reason why leaders get paid what they do. Uh, it's because capitalism knows that they're valuable, right? Uh, they have a big impact. And the transparency, you know, the integrity, uh, a lot of those things drive ultimately the results and the equity value. Um, again, I, I only know what I know. I like the tactic of transparency. 
And, and that, that is how you would make that be an effective tactic. Yeah. There are other tactics. Deception is another tactic. Um, bullying is a tactic that has success as well. Uh, but they're not tactics that, um, that are part of my ethos. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you acknowledging them as well. You know, even though they're not really good tactics. It's, uh, I don't know if you've worked at, at other places, Brandon. There are companies uh, in the world where those are effective tactics in their, yep. in their culture. Uh, and they get results, right? And capitalism rewards that. So, um, yeah. But, yeah. Fair enough. Well, the good news for you is that anyone who is kind of employing, doesn't really care about their business, is maybe employing some of these tactics, short-term focus, they're not listening to this. So that's a plus. Anybody who's listening is- Because then they wouldn't, okay, I, got a, I have a few haters. Maybe I have a lot of haters. I don't know. But yeah, they would probably- Well, no, it's them. not It's not your haters. If, if they're focused on the next three years and they're just making enough to get by and kind of you know, bamboozle people, so to speak, and, and hiding a bunch of skeletons, they're not really investing into their education, into the growth of their business. Yeah. Most yeah. people will- this will resonate with them. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. And then I, I want to ask you kind of what I view as the pinnacle of transparency. What do you think about opening your books, you know, your finances to your employees or your or even your subcontractors? Yeah. So I've seen that work. I've seen it not work. I think it depends on the mentality of someone you're working with um, and whether they have an ownership mentality of their role, of the, really of their life, or if they're an employee in their role and in their life. And so the way I would describe that is an employee shows up to work and stuff happens to them, right? My boss told me to do this. Oh, my job sucked today because of this happened to me. Uh, everything is happening to them. To an everything happens to an employee. I make this much money because I show up for this much time and my, my, life, my life either sucks or it's great because of all the things that people have done to me. Uh, an owner's life is, they take, well, an owner takes ownership of the well-being of their life and the outcome of their efforts, right? So it's like, yeah, I showed up to work. I'm gonna make as much money as I can produce today. Right. So employees that are on like a, a budget system or some kind of a bon you know, productive bonus system uh, would be a little bit more um, sit a little bit more well with them to be transparent on their books. Yeah. Right. And so I'd say in our experience, like people who are painting hourly, not not like engaging in the conversation with them of here's how here's how the financial of a business works. Uh, they come to ask. There's nothing to hide. If someone's in a management position or a leadership position, or they have some kind of incentive structure, that's here's, here's the business model. You tell me how much you want to make. Right. Yeah. And that's how we do it with all of our, like our sales reps are all driven that way. It's really, here's how much it costs to market. Here's how much it costs to sell. And this business model, you know, what do you want? How much money do you want to make? And how, how can we get there? Right. I've never, we've never told anybody, uh, they can't have a raise. The question is always like, that's awesome. How, how can we make that work? Right. How, how does that work in our in our business model? Uh, it's not like profits versus wages. Uh, the profits are non-negotiable. Right. Yeah. The, the company's not going to exist unless there's profits. Uh, it's how do how do you how do you contribute to the profits? Right. Yeah. How do you contribute to the profits? There's also people in our organization that have roles that don't affect profit, but they do affect we call it net promoter score of either internally or externally. Right. So there's net promoter scores for our clients for our corporate staff or employees and our labor, right? There are people who have comp packages specifically designed to that, sometimes at the expense of profits because they're building brand equity. But yeah, that transparency conversation, uh, I think it's really about, yeah, I could, I could say specific roles at work, specific roles it doesn't. It ultimately comes down to, does that person have an employee mindset where stuff happens to them or they have an ownership mindset where they're in control of the outcome of their life? And that's oftentimes gonna gauge how well that conversation lands.
Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of meeting people where they're at, so to speak, based on their role. But then even if they are in what would be considered more of an employee role, like let's say painting hourly, if they come to you and, and they do have this mindset of, of growth and wanting to learn, you'll share with them. You can share with them. You can also maybe like, it's good to get shoulder to shoulder and in the field, especially whether it's a leader of an organization or one of the managers, because uh, you can you can pick up on that. Right. You might pull someone aside and be like, man, you're, I know you're pushing hard for crushing it. I just want to show you what some of the options and potentials are uh, over the next three years of your career here. If you're interested, yeah. right. Here's how the business financials work. Here's what you get paid painting. Here's what you get paid to manage painting, right? Here's what yeah. you get paid to manage profitable projects with a high net promoter score. This is what the business model affords. Uh, so I just want to give you some, some visibility on that. That's something you're interested. In. Let's talk about it. Uh, but I, I would, I'd bring that up to someone that has kind of that, ownership of their life, they affect the outcomes of their well-being, uh, and they, they take that ownership. Yeah, promoting, great way to promote internally and uh, and keep your rock stars. I love this idea of, of basically partnering with with your employees, so to speak, the ones that have that owner mindset, the ones, hey, let's sit down, you want to raise, or, or what's your goal in this company? Okay, here's how our business works. Let's think together how to give you what you want. How, how do you help the business get there. How does it make business sense? And how does everybody kind of win here? Then they're thinking like a partner. Yeah. It's like, yeah, business sense. How does it work? It's kind of like, yeah. here's uh, you know, there are, there are different, this is good. Get more philosophical. There are different classes of assets, right? There's like, even if you, if you've ever been like the rental business or real estate, it's like class A versus class C. And like, sometimes you get a higher rate of return, at least cash on cash on class C because there's more risk and it's more work and it's more messy. Right now, if you own the land, and you're leasing it to CVS, uh, just send me my check each quarter. Like you're never, that CVS is gonna be there for a hundred years, right? It's like no issues, no stress, no headache, not messy. Uh, maybe get a little less return on that, right? Painting businesses, there's risk. It's messy, it's hard. Uh, it's not a hands-off investment. That's just like coupon, coupon land, unless you take on an operating partner like All Holdings. Then it's, then it's just so like, you need to look at the industry kind of average of classes and whether it's like, this is what companies are generating in the market of profit right now. It's like, well, what should they be generating a profit? Yeah. Given what the alternatives of capital investment are. It's like, why would I get a 5% return on a painting company when I get a 5% return renting land to CVS? That's like, I'm gonna take all my cash out of the painting company and put it there. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of look at look at those conversations and and yeah. Does this conversation land with with every employee? Probably not. Does it land with every painting owner in 2022, kicking off 2023? No, it doesn't. But these are the ways that are, I think are healthy. If you look at an industry that's starting to mature on how you start to think about these things and look at how business should be run. Yeah. Jason, I know you you hate coffee, man, but uh, you got my head kind of spinning on this one. I, feel I like don't I hate it. I just want people to have alignment with their core values and the actions in their life. Okay? So... You want people, I know you want people to... It's a hard hill for me to die on because nobody receives that message. And uh, the answer is always like, I know, but, 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 but. So I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to fight it. People want their coffee. That's great. Yeah. There's a lot of great people that drink coffee. Uh, man, there's a lot. I'm not even going to say what I want to say because it's so mean. But I just say there's a lot of great people that drink coffee and that's great. That's good. Yeah, I, I feel like I should have had another cup for this conversation because you got my head spinning at this point. Okay. But... I want to I want to wrap it up and and ask if there's anything else um, particularly re related to macroeconomics, um, the current state of the industry and, and the economy and where we might be headed uh, that you want to want to add to this conversation. 
you know, I think we've got a good base. I think a lot of this will dovetail into the next next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk more about kind of macro state uh, versus macro trends. But yeah, there's just a, there's a reality. I think any good economist would tell you they don't know is the answer. There's also a difference between gambling, looking at business fundamentals, and then there's a reality of the facts of where we are today. And uh, you know, all those things have started to lead. You know, you want to hedge your bets and make good decisions. Uh, do I know for certain what's going to happen? No. Is there things that are more likely or less likely? For sure, right? In every scenario, that's that's called like risk and reward decisions. So, in general, uh, I expect this next year to be different than it was or last year, specifically last two or three years, arguably the last ten years, and that'll be a fun season for us at all at all of Holdings and at Paris Painting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun in a different kind of way. Uh, there's no like, it's kind of like playing a video game, Brandon. Right. Yeah. It's like a new patch comes out on a game that you like to play. And it's like, OK, now how do you win in this new environment? Right. Some certain characters got nerfed or buffed or new items are introduced or the map layout has changed. And uh, the tactics of old no longer work in this new realm. And, you know, there's there's kind of a rush to find out the new meta of what's going to work really, really well. Um, and often times that have that prescient view or have done the analysis to you know, do the big Excel sheets. They're the ones that are the early adopters and win. Um, so it's going to be a very different market. How well can you adapt? How can you react? There's no normal, new normal. The, there is no new normal. It's just constant change, right? And yeah. so I think we're well, well positioned to change. Uh, I think most people are not, <laughs> specifically in this industry. We're not a very adapt, adoptive industry overall, but that can't go forever. And sometimes that innovation gets spurred by a changing environment. Yeah, and I think now more than ever, with, with how quickly things are changing, I think COVID accelerated that it is helpful to have a, a partner that understands this stuff and is prepared for it and has been around for a long time and has achieved great success. So another plug for allfoldings.com. Allfoldings.com. Apply to become a partner. Go go up and visit Jason and his team and, and see if it's a right fit for you guys. Yeah. If anybody's interested in learning more, this is the plug. Reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to find on social. Uh, it always starts with a philosophical conversation. And then there's quite a bit of vetting on both sides uh, to see if it makes sense or it's a good fit. Worst case scenario, you learn a lot about uh, how we think about business. That's like your worst day. So feel free to reach out to me. Uh, be happy to talk about more. Love it. Uh, Jason, thank you for your time. You can reach out to Jason directly uh, or you can tag him in the Facebook group. Again, search Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast Forum on Facebook. And that URL is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Marketing Mastermind. Jason, thank you for your time. I think people are going to have some follow-up questions on this one. I'm going to maybe go take a nap. Or something and critiques yeah they're gonna be pissed off and I'm it's the rant gonna, episode man i have talking. to defend my rants and then they're yeah, gonna psychoanalyze me and and i'm open-minded to all that yeah i'm you put yourself out there that's what you get episode four is uh is where you're really gonna go off the deep end i think so i'm looking forward to that one yeah all right brother well thank you for your time man all right see you see ya. if you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business Visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. 
You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.